Right now is an exciting time to be in New Zealand. You can feel it in the air, unifying the healthcare system, simplifying the complexity, building for the future, co-designing with clinicians and community representatives. All signs point to positive transformation in the years to come. It's one thing to have the vision, but what does that look like in practice? What's the real word on the ground? How will vendors and clinicians and consumers in this beautiful country adapt in this new and emerging environment? I'm here at Digital Health Week New Zealand, which brings together all the key players in the healthcare sector. Clinicians, IT professionals, health sector managers, government, industry, academics, students and other NGOs. This event builds and strengthens connections between these groups and encourages sharing of ideas in the sector. And it's all brought to you by HINS, which is New Zealand's meeting place for digital health. In this episode, I'll be interviewing speakers as they come off the stage doing their plenaries, keynotes and workshops to hear what the vision is and how we get stuff done. I'm doing it all right here at the Talking Health Tech booth with our THT ambassadors and interns. So let's get stuck into it. Collaboration starts with the conversation team health tech. Let's make it happen. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech audience survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or 10 minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey. Welcome to Talking Health Tech, featuring content and community about technology and healthcare. We acknowledge the traditional owners of lands these conversations were recorded and pay respect to elders past and present. Let's just get started. Tell me, who are you and what do you do? Uh, kia ora, Peter. My name's Manu Sione. I'm Senior Project Manager for Chief Informatics Book. Office of Te Whatu Order. Uh-huh. Uh, we focus on digital enablement and engagement, which is basically the community engagement, whānau engagement. There's one customer. We also engage with vendors and we also engage with health professionals about the HIDA program. Love it. Okay, great. And for those that don't know the HIDA program, mm. tell me a little bit more about that. So the idea is that we have an opportunity with the changes in the health sector to have a single view of our own health information. So we all go to the doctors, we've got pieces of information with the GP, and they might be held in uh, patient management systems like MedTip, mm. indices, manage my health. You also go to the pharmacy to get your medications. You also have medications that the doctor prescribes. So all of these pieces of information are held in separate yes. uh, depositories. Yeah. So the head of program is looking to bring all of that information in one place, in one ecosystem, 
that allows the patient to be in control of their own information rather than currently the provider that collects that information. Mm-hmm. So it's not owned by the GP, it's not owned by the hospital, it's not owned by the pharmacy. Actually, it's going to be owned by the patient, the consumer, the client. And Interesting. And the HIDM program is about bringing all of that information mm. together yeah. and then being able to access in one place. Yeah, that's no, no mean feat. And it, so across different health uh, modalities as well, primary care, hospital. Absolutely. So the, the health sector. Yeah. And actually, we need to think about this in a much broader, holistic way too. So it's about the well-being of people. So you could imagine things like social services where people are on, say, benefits. The well-being or the health of that person depend, is dependent on their economic position as well. Mm. So even if you're not living in a house and you're homeless, that has a different scenario or a different level of care if you're somebody that's sleeping on the street. Mm. So well, there's a number of different sectors that are engaged in this piece of work. Well, the health is leading it. So we also engage with cross-agency uh, collaborations around data and information. But it means that we're in control of the health information. We don't provide a two-way connection with that health information. It's private, mm. it's consentable, and it's the health centre that holds that information. Wow, okay, cool. And so um, what brings you to Penrith? Well, upstairs, um, we, we've had a two-day, what we call on the IPS-a-thon, or connect-a-thon, mm. or a hackathon. We, we bring in our data and digital architects, our coders, our developers. Alongside that, we bring in our whānau representatives and our health clinician representatives, our provider, clini- um, our provider uh, communities as well. People like, um, you know, our primary care people. So that IPS-a-thon is to be able to develop an international patient summary look at a persona. Mm-hmm. So the persona that we're using is the Yosefa Fuimano as the persona, and he has a family group around him, and all of them contribute to uh, Yosefa's health and well-being. And so that story is part of a real-life story that we have put together so that we can get the coders to start to say, what international patient summary standards mm. can we use in a New Zealand context? Yeah, interesting. Well, that's really important, right? In the for those I'm trying to understand a little bit more about the the nuances or intricacies of, of healthcare in New Zealand, and, and I guess community more more broadly. You know, we, you touched on the importance of Fanu and, and and family, and and yes, we talk about you know even over in Australia, it's just like the importance of involving family members, but it's a little bit to feel a bit more. I think we all recognise that um, our environment is changing, mm. our health environment is changing. We can't keep building huge hospitals which costs 500 million a billion dollars we can't keep building these things we have to start looking after our health closer to home and currently the system is much more clinical medical focused so that the clinicians are the ones who make the decisions but actually if we start thinking about family members and how they help each other to look after themselves so if we know if i know that my dad is sick I'll know him better than my doctor does know that. And so being able to have a little bit of information from the um, New Zealand patient summary gives me an opportunity to add to that cordial, I was going to say cordial, to add to that, um, that talk, that discussion, so that when the doc- doctor sees that information, oh, 
actually they know the, the information. So the other thing around what is important about the IPS and the New Zealand patient summary is that it's got a my story attached to it. So rather than going to different clinicians and repeating the same old story, every time you go to a new doctor, every time you go to the hospital, every time you go to a community centre, you're repeating the same story about your health or your dad's health. Yeah. And so this enables us to come together as a whanau, as a community to look after each other then triage to the doctor or the hospital if you need to. Mm. But actually, we've got some solutions ourselves. Yeah, People are looking at alternative medicines, they're looking at different ways, like the Fofor and Samoa is like the massage. We've got contemporary um, medicines here in New Zealand that we use from a Rongoa, from a Māori perspective. So, you know, there's, there's um, Reiki, you know, mm. from an Asian perspective. So there's all these things that we can do and you don't have to worry about, uh, you know, just having the medical view. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Right? It's been really helpful to understand, you know, what's, what's happening in here and a lot of work ahead, but sounds like the right work to be done. What's, uh, you know, we're, we're just starting off here at Digital Health Week. What are you hoping that attendees might get from whether it be the, the, the IPS or just generally this, this meetup that we yeah. last week? This is a um, collective surge forward with the health transformation so it just can't be done by one single entity or sector it's got to be done with all of the vendors and innovators and uh, providers and clinicians so the opportunity of being at digital health week is to actually start to talk to those people to socialize the messages to have a look at the personas that we've developed have a look at what their requirements are and so that the tech and the coders and the developers and the architects are able to sort of understand a particular family situation where they can build the product with them in mind. Mm. And then you won't get a white elephant, or it reduces the chances of getting a white elephant where you build all of this stuff from a technical perspective, but nobody uses it. And so Digital Health Week is about trying to make sure that we're engaging with all of these players at all of these providers and suppliers and vendors and say, well, you guys have got a really good product. This is what we're looking at. How do we make sure that that's, yeah, you know, it's um, able to be connected to your database yeah. and system, your whatever. G'day, Simon. How are you going? I'm well, thanks, Pete. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for dropping by. I don't think we've done one of these. Well, I don't think we have. We chat about a lot of random things, but we don't, we read, actually, I don't even think we've even recorded a conversation for the podcast. So it's great to have you here. You've done a summit or something like that, but that's about it. So, um, yes, good to have you. And we had to come to New Zealand to have a chat. Which is crazy. That is a bit crazy. But what brings you to Hins and what are you doing um, over the next couple of days? Today's is a bit, the busy one. So we've done a breakfast this morning talking about how the quadruple aim um, is relevant for New Zealand health reform. So that was great. Lots of interactive discussion with a well-moderated panel. I've got a talk at 11 on artificial intelligence in healthcare, so that should be fun. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm looking forward to the gala dinner and, of course, catching up with all of the people here at Hims because I'm a serial attender and Microsoft is a serial supporter of Hims. Yeah, i got to say, well, it's uh, you know exciting times for... 
uh, New Zealand in particular, but also a lot happening in health at Microsoft too. It's keeping you quite busy, particularly in the AI space. That's getting a lot of people interested. Absolutely. So even though we've got a really broad digital portfolio, mm. it's the generative AI rabbit hole that I've been down for the last eight months. And that's been fun. I've learned a lot. And it feels like a lot of innovation is coming back into what has traditionally been more about infrastructure and systems of record. So mm. that's great. Yeah, excellent. And um, for those that aren't keeping fully up to speed with what's happening with generative AI and large language models and how that applies to healthcare, or maybe, you know, they see these cool tools outside, but then how serious are we looking at some of these coming into their healthcare space? I think we have to look at it really seriously mm. because there are consumer models out there and people are accessing it. We know that now. So the genie's out of the bottle. The question is, how do we use it? I'm seeing use cases fall into three buckets. One is around direct patient care. And most people are quite leery about that because it's a regulated, sensitive area where inaccuracies have implications. It's the indirect patient care and the business of healthcare where a lot of the generative scenarios are shining. Mm. What does that mean? So the um, indirect is all about care coordination and secondary use of data, summation of data. The business of healthcare is more about revenue cycles, billing, coding, even leave and payroll automation, summation of research, evidence to point of care, that sort of yeah. stuff. Well, that's all the stuff that a lot of people don't like doing as humans, I guess. And that's a good thing because there's a, there's a concern I imagine that people might have of, well, if we, we bring, uh, we, we rely on AI to deliver care and then it's the robots that are providing services and it won't be safe and it's um, all this. However, we're, we're going down this pathway of, of healthcare that I don't think is one that, it, that would exist because I feel like there's always going to be a human involved in the process. Um, I, I see, I, you know, I've had experience with how AI can assist from a diagnostic side as a tool, but I love that the, all these opportunities that exist in, in areas that have all this knock-on effect of workforce burnout and shortages and, um, you know, uh, just funding in general, if we can apply some of these smarts to that area, then that's, um, that's going to have some benefits across the system. So... AI has been in health for decades, and most people forget that. And we've been using it diagnostically forever. Yes. But generative is different. So it's a split. It's a sea change. It is a new technology, and we need to be a bit cautious about how it gets used. But it's very exciting. Mm. I think the way it should be used is exactly as you say, a co-pilot mode. Mm. So no one should be concerned that a generative tool is going to come take their job. But I would be concerned that a doctor or a nurse using generative tools is going to be more effective than you if you dug. Mm, yeah, got it. And so at PINS, you mentioned what you do at Digital Health Week. Um, got a busy, busy draw card and what's going on. What are you hoping that, you know, attendees that we're looking around the, the room today walk away from these couple of days in, in a landscape in New Zealand that things have changed and that there's a bit of excitement in the air? What are you hoping you said people walk away with? I love the fact that we've got such a packed trade show mm. and that now we're talking about clinician and patient experience mm. rather than big iron system transformation. Because I think unless you actually make the experience better for patients and clinicians, you haven't really changed things. And you talked about workforce burnout and shortages. That's a real critical issue. So what I'd like people to think as they walk away is that digital doesn't need to be bad and negatively impact your experience or your workflow or your, the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. It can actually make it better.
can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name's Anne O'Hanlon. I'm Ryan Malfa. I'm a product director. So I work in the consumer engagement space, which means my team's develop software that is used by patients and their family members, their caregivers, to interact with the healthcare system, to get virtual care online and to access their own records. Got you. And what brings you here to Digital HealthWay? So I'm one of the speakers here. Yeah. Um, so I'm doing my kind of 15 minutes of sharing stories about what Orion is doing globally and how that's relevant to New Zealand. Mm. But I'm also here on a kind of a personal perspective to be inspired and to see what others are doing in the industry, um, things that have been delivered in the last 12 months, and yeah. get some ideas and see where the trends, what's happening and, and help feed the vision and the roadmap. So my role is about in a strategy, setting the vision for a team and, mm. and thinking about how we can transform healthcare. And so I just love the atmosphere of being able to talk to people and get their perspectives and get some infused ideas back into our program. Yeah, you definitely get that here. And you, know, you mentioned that you were sharing a bit about what's happening with Orion. And tell us a bit about what's happening with Orion. So we've had amazing last 12 months where we've delivered some really large-scale projects in the Middle East and in Canada uh, and some more local go-lives here in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And so I've been talking uh, this morning actually at our breakfast seminar about some of the ways consumers can now interact online with healthcare professionals without ever having to leave their home. So being able to live chat with a nurse in the middle of the night when you've got a sick toddler or um, being able to call someone for advice if you don't know where to start because the, the healthcare system is so complicated. People actually just don't even know where to begin. And providers as well, um, although they may have worked in the industry or worked in the sector for a long time, there's so many different types of services now available. Sometimes they don't know where to start when they're referring a patient. So, yeah, we operate a, a centre um, of nurses in Ontario for 15 million people, and it's a 24-hour by seven-day-a-week service, and we can phone in or you can do a video visit or you can live chat. And so I've been sharing a bit of how and why we've implemented that software to support that service and how it could be kind of transported down under here to New Zealand and how that might look like the Kiwis. Amazing, that's so good. And, and, you know, you also touched on that um, very true point as well, of being able to come to something like this and get inspired and look at, you know, what the future might bring. Are there any uh, interesting trends or takeaways that you've had so far from from this event or things that are exciting you? Yeah, well, I think it has to be said that AI is, you know, the hot topic. A lot of people are talking about it. They're quite often asking us, how do we go about governing it? How do we actually safely get AI in, into clinical practice and into the hands of patients? So I think that's a real thing that's coming out. Yeah. Um, obviously, the next generation of large language models and conversational interfaces. So it's not just about point the click on a website or an app. It's actually about talking to the app and having it talk back to you or conversing on chat. Yeah. So I like to tell the story of um, I was sitting uh, at the dinner table and my, my fingers were going a little bit purple uh, because actually I hadn't eaten for a long time. And, um, but I didn't know that that's what happens when you don't eat. Your fingers can want to get cold and go purple. And so I um, was sitting next to my daughter and she says to me, hey, mummy, your fingers are purple. I'm like, oh, really? I didn't know that. And so I thought, I'll just pull out my phone and find out, you know, why do people's fingers go purple? But before I even had a chance to pull out my phone, 
She yells across the room, Hey, Alexa! And of course, Alexa starts reeling off all this information. And one of the things it said was, like, if your blood glucose drops, yeah. actually you can get cold and your, your fingers can go a funny colour. And sure enough, I hadn't eaten for four or five hours. So by the end of my meal, I was absolutely fine again. But it's kind of that world of, you know, the next generation are coming through and technology is almost an extension of them. You know, it's on them all the time, either their phone or their iPad and, or in the room. It's just such a natural part of who they are and how they operate. Yeah. They just don't even think about it. It's second so nature. Yeah. So, true. so I'm thinking all these are my kind of product, in my, my product hat on, how yeah. do we make it second nature for people? It's yeah. really easy to interact with. No, that's important. Um, no, that's such a good example. Lastly, then, you know, with all the attendees here at Digital Health Week, what would you hope that they walk away with um, uh, from the sessions that they catch this week? I would hope that people are motivated and inspired. Yeah. Um, I think we got a great talk yesterday from Nandy and think you, know, you were there. Yeah, I was. Uh, and he talked about being a good ancestor. Yes. And, and so I hope that, you know, and there's, there's a lot of people at the conference who've been in this industry for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years even. Mm. Uh, and they've got a lot of wisdom to share. And so I hope people can catch some of that uh, and take it back with them to their day job and, you know, give them a bit of a boost and keep plowing on through. Because actually with IT, no matter what you've delivered, there's always something better around the corner that you're working towards. And so it's very easy to get a bit down and think, you know, you're not doing as well as you could. But actually, if you look back on what you've achieved, put it in perspective, as a sector, we've achieved a lot. And, and whilst we do feel there's this gap and there's a lot more that we could be doing, um, we have to stop and celebrate the achievements from time to time. So I hope people are doing that this week and, and then getting motivated for the next year. Asia yourself, tell us who you are and what you do. Sure, so uh, my name's Robin Blythe. I'm a PhD student uh, currently at QUT, Queensland University of Technology. But my scholarship is funded by the Digital Health CRC or DHCRC. So I'm about three and a, three and a bit years in, three and a half years in almost. Um, almost finished. And my topic is mostly focused on sort of clinical deterioration or the, the progression of patients to like a higher risk clinical state that puts them at greater risk of like adverse events in hospital. Um, and I think that's sort of like a great uh, exemplar or microcosm, I guess, for uh, clinical prediction modeling generally, because it's characterized by, I guess, both like diagnostic uncertainty, as in we don't know what's wrong with the patient often, um, and prognostic uncertainty, which means that we don't know what will necessarily happen to them in the next 24 to 48 hours. So um, I've got two talks actually here, both along similar topics, I guess, but um, predominantly around that human uh, model interaction of when you have a, a model predicting someone might deteriorate, like how do clinicians actually process that information? Um, is the model adding information to that process? Is it, um, is it just a distraction? Is the model actually like performant or predictive enough to add value to that conversation? And so why here in, like you mentioned, you're at Queensland University and doing stuff with CLC, but you're here in New Zealand? Mm, that's right, yeah. So, so if I'm a dual US New Zealand citizen, uh, my partner's Kiwi. Um, I think at some point she just was starting to get homesick and um, thanks to COVID, I guess, uh, yeah. remote work is now like more possible than probably ever before, I guess. Yeah, cool. So provided I pop over for my major milestones back to Brisbane, I think, you know, everybody's mostly okay with it. Yeah, that's great. And how are you finding, say, the translation of the work that you're doing um, across both the Australian landscape and New Zealand is something that's, you know, relevant across all? Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, right? Because 
I think it's probably fair to say that Australia and at least parts of Australia are much more digitally mature um, with like much larger economy, like a lot more patience, a lot more uh, funding mm. coming in uh, than New Zealand. And I think like for Wellington Hospital, for example, I'm pretty sure they're still based in uh, everything on paper-based records, which, um, you know, it, you call it digital health, but <laughs> if, you <don't, laughs> if you don't even have the digital, it's like, uh, yeah. So I think New Zealand is, I guess, a really interesting sort of, case study because you're seeing it happen in real time in a lot of ways um, and in very like scattered places and not necessarily in that sort of unified so for example like uh, my partner hospital is metro south uh, in brisbane with the pa princess alexandra hospital which is like fully digital and it has been mm. for i think six or seven years and i think seeing that sort of transition happen in new zealand would be very exciting yeah um, if you're there when it happens right it's like you're in a perfect position to impact policy if, if you do stick around here, even though it's not, you know, fully digital. And lastly, what would you hope that people who are checking out your sessions today walk away from with? I, I like to play the spoiler a little bit and, and just, you know, AI is not going to fix every problem. Mm. Uh, predictive analytics is not going to fix every problem. Just because we can uh, predict that someone might die in hospital doesn't mean we can prevent it. And I think being very cognizant of that is, uh, is pretty important and something that I want to touch on a bit. Yeah. Very much always. Yeah. My name is Angela and um, I'm a medical doctor, uh, but now running an AI mental health startup called Clickhead. Nice. Tell me a little bit more about that. Clickhead basically serves to solve this problem around only 5% of people who need mental health support can actually receive it. And that results in very, very long wait times in Australia and New Zealand, it's about six months mm. um, on the public system. And so on our platform for non-urgent cases, you can be seen within two to three days. Yeah, gotcha. And what does that platform look like? What does it do? So basically, it's a very integrated um, platform where you start off being triaged by the AI therapist. And then if you are, you know, more comfortable self-managing, then you go down that journey with the AI therapist. We give you digital tools that you would learn if you went into therapy instead. And then the intention is to help you be more resilient, be more mentally fit, more emotionally intelligent. Um, but of course, there's still a proportion of people who are struggling a little bit more, need a bit more professional assistance. So we have basically a thousand therapists across Australia and New Zealand that you can see um, them either online or in person. Yeah, good on you. And why is this important to you before I go into more of it? Like what? what yeah, what I mean, as I as working as a doctor and just constantly seeing how like people who needed help couldn't get it, mm. it was really frustrating to me. And I did try to work within the system and innovate there and just kind of really got nowhere and um, decided five years ago that it was probably best to try and do it the way that I want it to be done through best practice, really being patient-centric, um, you know, we co-design our solution um, at the beginning with 500 people across the country. Mm. So we really wanted to make sure we build something that people wanted. Yeah, amazing. And so you've been speaking today at the, at the conference. Tell me a little bit about what happened up on stage. Sure, yeah. So the thing that I spoke about was basically the lessons that I've learned over the last five years on what it means to, I guess, disrupt or innovate in the health system. And so we had seven lessons that I have wanted to share. And one of the key ones basically is to really be outcomes driven, work for first principles and, you know, challenge conventional wisdom. You know, some of the um, outcomes that we've achieved, in, including stuff like reducing the wait time, you know, being able to ensure that we reduce like DNA rates, all those kind of things have been it, were, were things that people said not possible. And lastly, then, um, thinking for all the attendees that have um, come to the event, 
over this week or even just attended your session today, what would you hope that they walk away with? Yeah, I hope that they would basically be able to, you know, feel inspired that if if we can do it and and we sort of really had to be very scrappy through the whole process, um, that they will be able to as well. Firstly, introduce yourself, tell us who you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Kavis Safabi. I'm the global practice leader for Accenture's healthcare practice. I'm a physician by original training, and uh, I help organizations figure out how to combine the promise of technology and human ingenuity to solve very hard problems. Amazing. Excellent. And Accenture is global. Uh, have you come here to, are you based here in New Zealand? Yeah, we are a global health services company. I'm US-based, uh, but I do work in about 25 countries. I've worked in outside the US for almost tw- uh, 20 years. Yeah, I'm a physician by original training, but I've, I've worked in a lot of countries. Love it, excellent. And so uh, what's interesting about Digital Health Week for you and, and Accenture? We're at an interesting juncture right now. Uh, healthcare and information technology have been a conversation for a while, but uh, what I'm particularly aware of is the fact that we're at a place where we're running out of people to do the work and we're going to have to use technology to extend human capacity or we're all going to have a big problem waiting for services which is actually what I talked about on the stage just a moment ago. Yeah, I was going to say, so you're up on the stage, you were talking about the, the uh, talk to me more about this issue around us. Yeah, the number of people who need healthcare is growing because of aging population. About 50% more humans will be over 60 globally, and that's going to require three to five times more healthcare resources. But the number of people who work to support those people is going down at the same time. And 25% globally, 23% in New Zealand. We'll never solve the problem by trying to find people to come to work. We actually have to take work that's being done by people, break them into tasks, and then think about where the tasks can be done. Some can be done by technology, new technology like generative AI, and some of it will be done by people, but the people may not be physically in the same room. They may be at a distance. They'll be different skill sets. So we're going to have to completely have to remodel what work is like. Mm. And that's going to be a big change process. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you see the biggest impact in remodeling that? You know, you, you hear clinicians concerned about um, uh, how the, the impact that technology may have on their roles and the work they can do, or maybe, you know, from an administrative side that they, you know, there's roles that don't exist. Where do you see the biggest impact? Yeah, I'll kind of think. Well, um, in the short term, our biggest challenge right now is we don't have enough nurses and doctors, mm-hmm. so we're going to have to go there first. And the majority of the tasks that we can actually move to tech are primarily documentation tasks. And generative AI and large language models are now demonstrating that they can take over the tasks I call the reading and writing tasks. Now, these are not judgment tasks. They're not recommendation tasks. We're not talking about diagnosis. But the simple ability to listen to a doctor-patient interaction and then recharacterize that as a note uh, is really interesting. Uh, However, for that to be really effective, the doctor actually has to think out loud because if they're working in silence, there's no possible way that the technology can solve for that. So they have to change the way they work. The same thing is happening with nurses. We don't have enough nurses. People are looking at taking nurse documentation tasks. Today, they're moving them to nurses in a remote location who are watching the visit, Mm. and then they're writing it down, giving Mm. the nurse back 20, 30% of their time. Eventually, that will be done by a technology, but still, if they're not talking about what they're doing Mm. and they work in silence, nothing happens. So that means the human has to change their job, Mm. and that has lots of implications. Some people are uncomfortable. Some people just need to learn a new skill, but you're going to see a lot of that play because the the tech will come, 
but without the change in the behavior and the work itself, we don't gain the benefit. That's a really interesting point. And lastly, then thinking about uh, all the people that have attended Digital Health Week today and also your session, what would you have that they walk away with? Uh, that technology is necessary but not sufficient. Uh, that there are some really good technologies that are coming, but we really have to start asking the question, how do we use technology to increase the capacity of human beings to serve people, not just help them make better decisions, but actually give them time back. We have to look for technologies that give humans time back yeah. so that, that time can be reused. It's not a uh, digital health event unless we've got Graham Grieve coming over to the Sorting Health Week. But get him, mate, how are you? <laughs> it's not an event unless we've got Peter. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, there we go. It's now, now the circle's complete. But, um, look, Graham, it's great to have you here again this time at Inns at the Digital Health Week. Uh, you've been busy here at this one as well, but there's been, um, it's not just up on stage and uh, doing some presentations. There's the accelerator going. Well, tell me what you've been up to. So, it's good to see you here in New Zealand. Yep. Um, and I came over here to work with uh, the New Zealand team on IPS. So that's the International Patient Summary. Mm -hmm. I made a commitment to work up a um, infrastructure that's got patient summaries available to patients. So you get record health records in the hands of patients, mm -hmm. help them when they travel, help them understand their health conditions, help them build new health options in the country. Um this first meeting here, so it's just really early days. Yeah. But we met with a bunch of vendors and stakeholders, helped them understand why IPS, what are we doing with IPS, and help with the vendors get going with IPS. Yeah. Overall focus here on, and this is shared, there was representation from official Australian government because one of the focuses just driving this is the um, immigrant work, well, not the immigrant, but the transient workforce that mm. come out of the Pacific Islands to both Australia and New Zealand. And then they get healthcare in Australia and New Zealand go back or they get health they bring have health issues that they bring with them and, and we're trying to make a more efficient transfer mm. for a pretty sizable population. And so one of our foci focuses this week was um Samoan a Samoan persona that we worked at cases around a Samoan persona and focusing on the on the idea of a record going back for Samoa or, or coming mm. from Samoa. And, and um, actually, that was a really interesting thing that the focus here, it's partly a cultural thing in New Zealand is, you know, they've got a real focus on community and, and, and looking after the unempowered more so than in Australia. And that really showed in the way they thought about it. It wasn't just a tech event. I was like, how do we use this? And we had consumer reps, patient reps mm. and um, providers at the table in a way that we... We never quite have in Australia. Yes, it was totally worthwhile. Yeah, and I'm really excited, and they're really excited about the outcomes and using better patient data flow to help patients. Yeah, love it too. And that's um, you know, uh, to this point that we've kind of talked about before. It's um, there's yes, there's talk of the technology and and that. It's kind of like you bring the technology to the problem, then you've got to bring all the other kind of stakeholders and perspectives and work out how the technology can can support all the needs of those different stakeholders, right? It's, um, yeah. I mean, it's a kind of a, a dance because there's no point talking about use cases and building expectations and 
and you know leave pushing pressure on the leadership mm. when you can't solve the problem <laughs> right so then you actually need to work the tech to the point where the tech can solve the problem yeah but also if all you do is a tech you've missed the problem mm. right so it's a kind of a, a two-step to to get those things depend on each other and sorted and and not to you one too far ahead of the other yeah 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 got you got you yeah. Um, no, that's cool. You doing anything else at uh, Digital Health Week? Oh, I'm doing a keynote about you know the hope for interoperability to drive healthcare, change in healthcare. Uh, that's tomorrow. Yeah, and that's right. It's right. I mean, it's one of those things where the focus is on building community to build capability and scope mm. because. Yeah, there's a lot of good ideas out there. The problem isn't having good ideas. It's actually, it's not even actually solving the technical problem. Mm. It's building a community that wants to scale what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The biggest challenge. Mm. And so we're talking, I'm talking about community and also, you know, the fact is you can, if you automate a dumb process, you can end up with a dumber process, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. It's not. That should be a t-shirt, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So it's about like, how do we actually transform health rather than uh, health IT? Because increasingly that's mm. got to be our focus. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's been a strong New Zealand focus, obviously, and you're, you're, um, you're familiar with many health systems, actually, but obviously the Australian one too. Mm-hmm. It sounds like there's a few things that the Australians could learn from New Zealand process here. Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping to take a few of those things back, mm. to, back to Australia and say we, we could benefit from having a broader focus and a broader mm. set of stakeholders. And, and I love their energy. And, and one thing is they are much more capable of executive action mm. here in New Zealand. I don't know if we can take that one back. Mm. But we're certainly... Um, we can show them it's possible. We show them it's possible, <laughs> yeah. And and um, I've certainly been enjoying the uh, working with the Kiwis. But you know what would be better? Yeah. If, if we actually, the Kiwis could just join with Australia and then we just, <laughs> just, we just assume they're part of us sometimes anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Russell yeah. Crowe and Pavlovis. And... Lastly, then, you know, there's a lot of hype and excitement around AI and a lot of talk around data and interoperability, and they seem to be like some two kind of pervasive things. Are there any other themes or things from, you know, this particular event that you're like, oh, that's quite interesting, and, um, or at least something that's quite different compared to, say, previous years as well? All of your fire nerds are waving at you over there as well. I mean, obviously, there's a big cultural thing here in New Zealand around the Maori and mm. Oronesian welcome which is real in a way that we haven't made a real in Australia yes um, and but other than that the, the challenge for New Zealand is really they're right on the they're right on the cusp of being too small and 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 they need to have really focused collaborative work to overcome that challenge you know a fifth of the size of Australia but you know a tenth of the size of or and less the um, um, but Australia is a tenth of the size of the states, in effect. Yeah, right, yeah. So New Zealand really, you know, is backs to the wall in terms of ability to maintain a community and capability and squad. Mm. And they know that. We talk, They talked about that in the keynote yesterday. You know, this is farming the mountain. Yes. Yeah, they didn't choose that a metaphor, you know. I know, and that's true. Uh, at random. Yeah. And, and so I certainly wish New Zealand well and... I'm going to continue to hang around and as much as I can and help help them yeah. help out and keep direction and do good luck to New Zealand. Yeah. The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date, 
in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well. G'day, mate. How you going? I'm good. It's good. Yeah, yeah. Week. It's great to be able to bring you over here in such a big week, obviously, for you. How's it all going? We're, we're about halfway through as I'm speaking to you. Halfway through. We're still standing, which yes. is good. Yeah. And in fact, uh, someone just said to me, and it's amazing that your team has just been so relaxed. Yes. And then was, yeah, actually, that's a good point. Yeah. The, well, I mean, the big, big chunk of the work, the peak of the work is yeah. maybe four or five weeks ago. Yeah. And then um, once it starts, there's nothing you can do about it. No. It's, yeah. It's, it's a, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, for those that don't know, Tim, yeah. um, you and Hins and Digital Health League introduced yourself to Telecom. Sure. Uh, well, my name's uh, Tim Corbett. I'm the CEO of Health Informatics New Zealand. I started on uh, Valentine's Day uh, this year in 2023, so I love my job. <laughs> yeah, I get it. That's good. So every good. year I can celebrate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I love it. Yeah. Easy way to remember. Uh, my background's in public health and health promotion and consulting and health and across NGO and that's clean, but then also across and marketing the advertisers. So it's a nice that's combo deal. And 20 odd, who's. I don't like to count now. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I was involved in uh, uh, World First using text messaging to help people quit smoke, stop top. Yeah. So digital health has been... Yeah. Hey, Queen, uh, we used to still send faxes. Yeah, man. Well, I said last week. I don't know. Here I am. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, was, I've only done one cheap fax dig uh, so far in these conversations. So, um, and so Digital Health Week and how that ties in with hints is obviously... A, a really important part in the calendar for fiends. Yeah, so it's um, we you know, a lot of jazz around the world, but New Zealand particularly going through a big transformation. Mm. So we've been uh, working on hints this year. Um, it's sort of software that's been a typically a transactional type company, and now we're looking at how do we use things like this, like digital health week, to actually impact and support the sector. There's a rather just being the four or five days of the event has turned the event into a change agent. And how it can support what to fight to order is up to, what the government's up to, uh, support vendors to give them a great platform, uh, just get their cost problemized pollination going, yeah. and get some solutions of action community. And so uh, we've seen uh, yesterday an amazing like opening for for the uh, for the yeah. whole event, and um, I, I love the the, the passion around um, you know and the the, the tight connection in with. Uh, you know the the Maori community yep. and and the, just seeing even with Fata Ora and the tying in with the the Fano and the importance yes. of the community like it's something I feel like in other countries in Australia in particular that you know it's obviously it's how we do things yeah that's right yeah, yeah. it's very much first principle yes um, I mean you start for yeah I don't like to start from the negative because you always wonder what the strength is but yeah the Maori are behind on life expectancy. Uh, they get less uh, diagnostic tests, they present later at hospital, they present worse off, 
and it's because of the systemic things that are involved in the health seat. Mm. So if we can, as homies, help to rebalance that and enable everyone to have an equitable chance at health, not just an equal chance, yeah. then that's something that we we'll want to bring through. But also, it's good design. You know, if you're, if you're working with a particular community and if you don't understand their clinician, yeah, then you're not working for what makes them strong, then you're working for what makes them weak. Yeah. So it's just, it's good social intrusion design. No, that's great. So we, we kicked off Digital Health Week with running, uh, putting on Tiki Hawara Matahika, which was a one-day focus day on Māori and Pacific Lead Digital Health. Mm. And there was 19 speakers, 10 minutes each, workshops, rapid fire through what makes whānau strong. Mm. And then pulling out those elements to go, what would then enable it to scale and amplify Māori Pacific Wind Digital Health? Yeah. And then that day will change the space for the rest of the whip. And yeah. both opening speakers referenced it, Lee referenced it, Lahihi went home and changed this whole presentation based on mm. being, how do you become a good ancestor? Mm. And that was such a good notification to you. I'll have it away for me. But, and and uh, you mentioned workshops, but there's also the. Um, uh, the IPS, yes, the five, the yeah, yeah. IPS song. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's something yeah. here as well. Yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah. Again, we wanted we want this week to be a, a platform for innovation, solutionising, mm. uh, bringing people together, particularly across disciplines, because health typically tends to live in silos. Uh, so it comes out of a condition, and then the silo mm. is wrapped around bladder control or colonoscopy or something. So digital health transcends and goes across all that. So. It's a great way of bringing people from different views, different looks at life. So the IBS uh, fund, um, basically a hackathon type approach mm-hmm. and based on the international standards. Yeah. So uh, around the world, they're trying to get people to get onto HL7 and FIRE. Grand Breed is here this week, who's the, often referred to as the grandfather of FIRE. Yeah. Um, and everything was based around that sort of ideas of the international patient standard and trying to get people to come up with solutions based on that so they can trans. Yeah, no. Uh, look, particularly this year, is looking at it from a Pacific lease and yes. ensuring that rather than taking it off the end, it's done from the beginning. Yeah, right. Yeah. And I guess as well, like not that if that wasn't enough, but you know, it's doing it's doing in this current environment with Tefasa Aura that's going through this and you know all the DHB yes, thing, yes. consolidating through that particular lens too. Yeah. So that's shaping a lot of the conversations that yeah, I it is. Yeah, I mean, it's starting to the year. So in Lee's talk yesterday, had their climb the mountain bit, uh, yeah. slide, and we're starting to get up to base camp. And you definitely feel like this year versus perhaps last year that their base camp is in, is within sight, mm. and that um, you know the promise is starting to come fruition. And like you did yesterday, you don't realize how far you've come to be looked back. Right, I mean, yeah. you know, oh, look at the climb, look at the mountain we've climbed mm. so far, rather than how far we've got to go. Yes. So I think there's a little bit of a feeling now. Okay, people know where their jobs are, they know what their system is, they know what the structure is. Mm. The change of governments is going to change tone a little bit. Mm-hmm. But essentially, yeah, it's a big beast the health sector. Yeah. So, but it's now forming into where people think it's going to go. Yeah, it's going to put a security off in it. Yeah, absolutely. And if I think about taking all of that into consideration, and that's the environment, we've got the industry here, a lot from New Zealand, but other parts of the yeah. world. So what are you hoping that people um, take away? What do you hope that people will take away from this event and bring back into their own healthcare up Yeah, sure. I think even, especially for the world, things mm. that are holding it here is a, is a good time for people to actually go because you get a bit burnt out with a cynical one in the year and a bit, bit, bit drained yeah. so just before heading off into school prize givings and wrapping up presents and another thing it's a rebirth and a reboot for okay 2024 I'm actually looking forward to it mm. there's some things I can take out of here I've met some really good people uh, like for me in particular these sorts of we're a virtual team so yeah, everywhere putting this conference on is done through emails 
Zoom calls, Tim calls. So to actually come together and see the face that goes with the email address yeah. is fantastic. It's brilliant. It just adds on another layer of trust, another layer of connection. So those people taking things out of this is that being face-to-face is the only way to connect. Mm. Digital is great, but this augments those to sure. And then hopefully also they've picked up uh, stuff out of the presentations and tools and new ways of looking, right. new ways of thinking. And then with the vendor at an expo area, new ideas and, and platforms and yeah. tools to use as well. Amazing. And no. how to use them. Yeah, yeah. No, that's important. So actually, last question for me, though, is that for those, whether they be local New Zealand companies that are looking to solve problems within the healthcare space or perhaps organisations from outside looking at potentially applying some of their use cases to... Um, to New Zealand as well. Any advice? Like, where shouldn't they? So, obviously, here in Shaw, good place. And that's, uh, of course, yeah. There's nowhere else to go. <laughs> that's it. You are aware of the truth, yeah. I mean, you can. There is a lot of change going on. So, uh, me, you know, being in this for eight months now, this, being, seeing this in action and feeling it from the inside out, uh, the conference and the other pieces that we put on during the year on platforms and the media, they're anchor points mm. in the health system or where the health system is in change and flux, which it, it always is. Like it's, it's never not changing, as it, as it should be. Yeah, it should be responding. So Hins provides good anchor points in that people know are constant, and you know, the brand is constant, the experience is constant, yeah. and they, they always know they'll, they'll be a, the right mix of people there. We, we curate well, so it's, it's not a, we keep it, um, it's, it's collaborative and collective. We like to think there's a community that comes together, mm. and that, that works. Um, and then with the you know, taking it on from there is, is uh, yeah, just sitting up between 2024. Nah, it was nice to the way it went. Uh, uh. Oh, let's begin. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what do you do? Yeah, hi. So I'm Brian Biggs, the Director of Customer Relations and Sales for Intersystems in New Zealand. Nice one. Excellent. Good to see you. And it's been great to catch up over the last couple of days. Um, Tell us a little bit more about um, what you do here, particularly for intersystems, no strangers to talking health tech, but here in New Zealand and you representing the year, tell me about what's going on. Yeah, so we've been in New Zealand for over 25 years doing a lot of uh, mainly private hospital um, EMR as type systems. Uh, The last couple of years we've been doing a project up at the old Auckland DHB to implement uh, a project in that area so we're getting close to the end of that now which is mm-hmm. really exciting yeah uh so yeah we're down here at hens talking really about some of the lessons that we've learned through our change management journey over the last you know 45 years as a company yeah got it excellent lots lots to um to share there and uh, a great place to do it um and so you you were up on the stage as well today as well tell me a little bit more about when you were doing that yeah i was lucky enough to get asked to speak uh by hens which was cool we've been a a proud sponsor of Fins for over 20 years, so it was nice to be up on stage. Mm. Uh, the topic was around the seven barriers to effective digital transformation in healthcare. Mm. So a topic that a lot of people have got interested in. Uh, there's, yes. no, there's no one silver bullet answer, un- unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, a lot of a lot of uh, interesting talking points that I think have resonated well with people. Yeah, I was going to say it's quite timely, like that information coming in this state of uh, change and... I guess new possibilities with for, you know the new government and, and uh, I guess change in the air. Um, yeah, like we were we were reflecting just last night. We were last in Hamilton in 2019. Mm-hmm. Now we're back here. In 2019, COVID wasn't a word. 
and we add 20 DHBs. You know, yeah. the, the, that's not even the change in the digital landscape. The change in the health landscape is is ever evolving. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. And so you say you got seven different things. I'm not going to get you to go through all seven now. But in terms of like, what would you hope would be one of those main kind of um, points you you'd think that people who saw your session today would take away and uh, perhaps implement in their own health systems? Yeah, well, really it's understanding the difference between technical change and cultural change. Mm. Yeah, technical change is a, a relatively straight line. Yeah, I use the analogy on my phone that you wake up in the morning and there's an iOS update. Uh, it's a bit frustrating. The The screen looks a little bit different. The colors are a little bit funny. But by morning tea, you're okay with it and you've forgotten what the old version looked like. Mm. That's technical change. It's a straight line. We're well-versed in doing it cultural change or adaptive change is a much more difficult journey yeah you know i told the story about my nieces and nephews all right they that they were trying to get me off facebook because facebook's not cool and on to tiktok <laughs> now that journey you have to learn how to dance how to sing how to add music and then how to promote yourself that's a that's a change it's going to take yeah. months and months and months to get used to and then you get close to the end and they say actually uncle you're too old for TikTok. What? Don't waste your time. And that's kind of the journey in digital transformation. You make little steps up and down, you get closer, and then sometimes that curveball comes and you're kind of going back a bit. So yeah. just understanding that the technology is going to do what the technology is going to do, mm. but managing the people and going through that journey with them and taking them with you is the most critical element to getting any transformation done. Yeah, absolutely. I look forward to looking... I was going to say, I was looking forward to looking up your TikTok account, but maybe it does not be here. But lastly then, you know, InterSystems continuing to do some cool things within this space. Uh, what can we look forward to seeing, particularly in New Zealand from InterSystems over the next 6 to 12, Yeah, well, we'll continue to deliver that project we talked about. Um, but also at Hins this year, we've launched a new integration product. So we've partnered with AWS Marketplace to release Health Connect Cloud in the marketplace, which means any any customer who's got an integration interoperability challenge uh, can go in there, sign up, all fire enabled, and be building their interfaces you know, the next day. Uh, and it's not only built on some great tech, but also the commercial model supports people trying mm. and only paying for what they use from an integration point of view, rather than paying for what another vendor might think you might use in the future mm -hmm. so it's a really good chance for people to come and say hey intersystems can you help solve my next integration challenge not the whole challenge yeah 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 man how are you going oh well thanks it's good to see you good to see you and great to um have a chat look firstly for those that don't know tell us who you are and what you do so my name is christopher dawson i'm the founder and ceo of sprightly so we are a technology company. Uh, we've created a new way of remote patient monitoring, which is incredibly easy to use. So it's, uh, it's particularly useful for some of our older population. And okay. they don't have much experience with technology or they don't have confidence to use technology to manage their healthcare. Yeah. Um, so we've developed that by co-designing it with them. We've de uh, developed it with older people, for older people. Uh, and that's meant that remote patient monitoring is a lot more accessible for that particular group. And they're very high users of the health system. Yeah. You said a new way to do remote patient monitoring that's, that's co-designed with the elderly and done with that in mind. When you, when you say a new way, what do you mean? Come so we've provided a fully managed device kit that eliminates a lot of the barriers that you would normally face if you wanted to do remote patient monitoring. So for example, a patient is not sent home with instructions to purchase anything or download an app or mm. install something or pair something. Everything is pre-provisioned for them. It works right out of the box. We've eliminated Bluetooth pairing altogether. So uh, the device doesn't need to be opened. There's no app to download. Yeah. Uh, there's no account to set up. 
Uh, all of those things are complications that uh, older people can sometimes find challenging and uh, they don't feel as if they are um, doing it properly or they feel uh, anxious about whether it's working. So by doing everything for them and provisioning it and sending them home with the system already working, they don't actually have to have things like an App Store account or um, you know, have an Apple ID. Yeah. Uh, all, all those sorts of things that a lot of people will take for granted um, are not that simple for some of, some of our health users that don't have as much experience with technology. Yeah. That's so true. Like you think about, I oh, look, at it just works and that's all this, but you don't think about the... That's right. I mean, they don't even have to connect it to Wi-Fi. I mean, we found when we were co-designing it, because we asked people, you know, we gave them like an iPhone and said, open the health app. And they were like, uh, is it the one that says app? Yeah. Is it the one that says health? Yeah. A lot of them couldn't really decipher the sort of cluttered arrangement of shapes on mm. quite a small screen. I tried to help by saying, uh, just uh, tap the icon. And one gentleman down the back said, to us, an icon is Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> That's cool. But yeah, I just, I share that because yeah. it gives you some idea of the context of different users. Yeah. Just because we find it simple to open a health app on a fire, we can't assume that mm. another patient cohort or you know, particularly an older patient cohort. And when you think about that cohort in terms of the population, it's growing faster than any other part. That's why we've got an aging population. So yeah. I think when we are designing health solutions, uh, it really pays to give some consideration to that growing group. Uh, you know, I think I looked at the stats for, uh, I did a presentation yesterday and I, I looked at the stats for um, demographic population growth in New Zealand. Stats New Zealand are projecting that the total number of people over the age of 85 in New Zealand will double in the next 15 years from 92,000 to 196,000. Yeah, right. So um, 100,000 more people over the age of 85. Mm. They're very high users of the health system. Yeah, as, as a proportion of the New Zealand population, that, that's material as well. So, yeah, so that's really interesting. Uh, tell me a little bit more about the presentation that you gave yesterday. So it was all about the co-design process and the importance of involving older people um, as we start to feel the pressure of that uh, older demographic coming through and you know with the hospital system uh, and the health system more generally is already strained but we're really just at the cusp of those baby boomers coming through so if you were born in 1946 you're only 77 this year all right so it is um it's really just at the beginning of that mm. group coming through we're only just we're only just starting to feel it so the only logical strategy is really to get better at managing the health of older people at home yeah uh, outside of a hospital setting so my presentation was all about how if we agree that we need to get better at managing health closer to home mm. and a lot of the people whose health we're going to be managing closer to home are older people yeah then shouldn't we think more carefully about including older people in the design of the services, not just the technology, but how the service is delivered, mm. how the technology is developed, because it's not about the tech, it's really about the people. And if the people who you design the service for have trouble using it, or they have trouble accessing it, it's not going to work. You mentioned at some point that um, and a really important element of all of this to, to, to achieve what you're talking about is... Um, the way the standards are laid out. I think you've done some stuff around standards today, you know, this week in relation to rotation monitoring. That's right, yeah. So we um, we worked with uh, a whole group of um, people in New Zealand called the uh, Remote Patient Monitoring Community of Practice, and that includes clinicians. Uh, it's led by the New Zealand Telehealth Leadership Forum. It includes representatives from the Digital Health Association. And it's a group of people in New Zealand who are involved one way or another in 
uh, delivering um, or specifying uh, or implementing pilots around remote case monitoring. And they've created a set of guidelines to help other people who might be thinking about developing remote case monitoring models of care mm. uh, in the coming years. We know that um, there is a growing um, sort of level of attention on remote patient monitoring, but there's also still um, a, a degree of nervousness around whether it's appropriate for my patients. Will my patients use it? Is it safe to use remote patient monitoring in this particular instance? If you work as an oncology nurse or if you work as a cardiology nurse or uh, if you work as an ECMO uh, for nephrology, you know, are, are my patients suitable for what options are out there? So the guidelines are really there mm. for clinicians um, to think about what they can do using RPM technology to incorporate in their models of care and achieve some of those key things around efficiency of, of, of care, safety of care, um, and, and, and really providing a level of patient engagement, which is hard to achieve uh, if one is in the hospital and, 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 and yeah. one is at home. You know, the, yeah. typical, the typical patient-clinician engagement is, you know, if it was being a, a, a physical face-to-face present. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so true, so true. Well, I feel like I could... I could um dive down a few rabbit holes around remote patient monitoring but for in, we'll, we'll have to save that for another day lastly thinking about uh hidden's digital health week um what are you hoping that um people might walk away from your session that you held today or even just the event more broadly yeah well i think from my session uh, I, I, got, I got some really good questions and, and there are a few gerontologists and things in the, in, in the audience as well so uh, I got a lot of encouragement for the fact that we were taking the time to, to, to focus on this. Mm. And uh, I'll share the presentation that, that, that I gave. And I think if people could take one thing from that, even if it's not technology, if you're thinking about models of care, if you're in the health system, it's almost certain that some of your patients are going to be older. And I would say that um, if I wanted somebody to take things like that, it's give some consideration to how we can provide services to that, to that group so that they're not disadvantaged in any way. Mm. Uh, and I think more broadly for Digital Health Week, it's just great to get people together and start thinking about all of those visions that uh, the health leaders in New Zealand are trying to get in place through these reforms. Mm. Uh, things around health equity, um, things around uh, patient engagement and, and, and patient centricity. Right. Seeing the examples at Digital Health Week uh, has been really inspiring, uh, and that's why I keep coming back every year. I'm Safraz. Um, I'm health informatics specialist. Um, I'm originally from Pakistan, uh, where I did my MSc in computer science back in 20, uh, 2004. Yeah. Uh, I worked there as a software developer, as a you know, solution architect, then I went to Ireland in 2008. So I spent uh, about seven years of my life in Ireland. Uh, and then I moved to New Zealand. Uh, to help create Indice, which is a, a cloud-based practice management system in New Zealand. Cool, yeah. excellent. And so Indice is a so practice management system uh, for the primary care market? So for primary care markets, it's a browser-based practice management system. It's a new system as compared to other systems that are uh, in the market. Yeah, cool. So cloud-based um, access. And so... Um, uh, what brings you to Digital Health Week? Yeah, so here I'm representing uh, Valencia Technologies. Valencia uh, is uh, where I work. I'm working for Valencia for the past uh, 18 years uh, in those different countries, as, as I mentioned. Uh, and I'm representing uh, Indici, uh, and we are board sponsored there today. Yeah, got you. Excellent. And so I hear you are from the stage as well recently too. Tell us a bit about what you talked about there. Yeah, so uh, on the stage I presented um, uh, the strategic uh, journey that we undertook with Indici. The, um, and I explained um, how 
challenging uh, and uh, it is to develop a browser-based practice manager system. Uh, what went uh, well for us and what were the challenges and mistakes we made and how we overcome those to become a successful uh, new vendor in the market. Got you. And what, what would you say is one of the kind of um, biggest challenges or things to overcome when you're trying to do something like a browser-based practice management system in the healthcare space to, to, to overcome? So it depends on the market, uh, where you're working. Um, you've talked about uh, the market. Um, I mean, first of all, the other systems were uh, about the desktop-based systems. So people were uh, used to using a desktop-based system and when we moved them to a browser-based system, uh, there was a big um, learning curve for them, like mm. different user experience as compared to uh, the browser uh, desktop-based system. So people, it was more click-oriented, mouse-oriented. Uh, so we had to find ways to improve the user experience. So that was the biggest learning curve. The other thing, other major thing was uh, the entire health sector was very outdated. Uh, you know, for, they were all uh, like integration, third-party integration. They were designed for the desktop-based system. They were not designed for our new modern system. Mm-hmm. So we... Um, so that was the biggest challenge we had, um, and um, we overcame that by staying persistent Fair. and, uh, you know, not leaving our hopes. And yeah, so eventually, yeah, it took a lot of time, but eventually we were able to uh, bring that chain fair by, you know, all the right. third-party additions, and there are literally uh, dozens and dozens of those. Yeah, uh, to but, come up. Yeah, there's a lot of integration now. No, no, nice one. And uh, lastly, then, what would you hope that people walk away from either your session here at Digital Health Week or just generally at the the event? Like some key takeaways. Yeah, so from from my session, um, it was mainly what we said. Like, you know, when you make a strategic uh, plan, uh, a vision, you need to stick to that. Mm. Uh, there will be challenges, but uh, you'll only be successful if you continue believing in yourself. So that was the biggest uh, takeaway. That's what we did. Um, and from here, from this tech, I mean, this is really cool because this is where we get to see what are the other vendors doing. And it's an opportunity uh, for everyone to connect and say hello, hi, make some relationships. Uh, there are other conferences that happen uh, around the year, but they are more um, sales-oriented, like you will be CGPs and practice managers so and so. So that's where we are, you know, trying to uh, generate leads. Yeah. But here we are, here to inhibit chat. You know, we'll work together and see uh, how is everybody doing in this industry. Love it. Firstly, start us off. Tell us who you are and what are you doing. Kia ora, Pete. Thank you for having me here. Yes. I'm a big fan, so I've a long time listener, first time speaking. <laughs> Probably heard that a million times. My name's Al, uh, and I'm from a company uh, called Wiptools, yeah. based in Ojitahi Christchurch in the South Island of New Zealand. And uh, we're a tech company with a vision to create frictionless technology for happier, healthier humans. That's nice. our vision, and that's what we're doing with our product. We've got a platform called Centric, building patient-facing applications, help connect them with their healthcare providers. Oh, so cool. That's it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. And so um, patient-facing applications, so they can engage with their providers. So is your customer the, the providers that are looking to engage with their patient? That, that's right. So right now, our first version uh, that we launched at the end of 2021 was to, to launching with general practices in New Zealand. We have an enrolled population here. Uh, most general practitioners have a patient portal of some kind. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've brought is new choice to the market. 
yeah. uh, that is designed in, in partnership with the practices and with the patients. So it's a it's a new model of working, something that's uh, pretty unique to the New Zealand health tech sector. Mm. Um, we're pretty excited to, to get out of it. Yeah, nice. And when you say the frictionless stuff, so what's the where do you focus on making it not suck? Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I suppose part of this is. Um, one of the main things when you're building your software is is really understand understanding the problems you're trying to solve, right? Yeah. Where to be starting from first principles? What's the problem and, and how do we solve that? And we don't have all the answers in a tech company sitting away, tapping away in a deep, deep dark room. I think that we have them all of those answers. So what we do is engage with uh, with our providers. Yeah. So providers are wearing multiple hats. You've got your practice managers, you've got your administrators, mm. you've got your nursing staff. You've, you've got your physiotherapists, you've got uh, all of these different roles, and we need to hear from all of them because they all have a role to play and all have a different perspective book to brand. Yeah. So we have a co-design process um, as part of our software release life cycle. Mm-hmm. So before we build something, we need to know what we're building. Mm-hmm. So to know what we're building, we engage with these uh, with our subscribers and all the different roles on a fortnightly basis yeah, to cool. make sure that we get their input into our product. Yeah, good way to go. Um, you're up on a stage. Well, we, well, I thought I was staged three times. I think three, it was. Three, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Don't> <laughs> what, what were you talking about? Um, uh, so the first first uh, presentation was actually during what we what we call the IPSathon, so the International mm, yeah. Summary. It was a two day workshop, uh, and and the the vision there was to try and understand, well, to to talk in real terms about the use of uh, fire HL seven fire as the international standard and what that relates to in terms of sharing uh, patients' report mm-hmm. in, a, in a standardised way. Uh, so we've done that. We, we launched uh, an international patient summary to patients and providers two years ago. Oh, so we were able to talk knowledgeably about our experiences uh, building it yeah. and implementing it and, and seeing the benefits as a result. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, then the, the next talk was, was actually about a relationship that blossomed out of HINS in 2022. Mm-hmm. So we came along to HINS's uh, first time exhibitor with our, with our product centric. And got to know the team at uh, BPAC. It's a New Zealand-based team. They've got a, a pretty cool product suite, a smart care product suite. But one of the things that caught our eye was they was a uh, what well, we call a robo dot, but effectively a kiosk that takes uh, all the patients' vitals yeah. and removes that um, uh, that time or uh, gives that time back to to patients, uh, so to the nurse nursing staff as a as a first kind of use case. So we met them. We had noted that we had our values aligned and thought, well, if we've got our own swim lanes, these things could actually work together, authenticate the patient with the kiosk so the kiosk knows who you are, send the data back to the patient administ- uh, practice management system yeah. so the, the GP or the, the practitioners know that, that information's been captured and then present it back to the patient in the app to complete that circle. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about that and, and our rollout of that uh, with Tamaki Health, our provider partner. That. So, and final final talk was around uh, designing and delivering uh, technology. So this is all around the co-design uh, process that we've heard a lot about, but we've been we've been doing that for a couple of years now, and I've learned a lot that we can share. Busy dance card, man. <laughs> and now, now you're coming over here. Jeez, look, uh, I appreciate you coming over and and taking us through that. Like, what would you then hope that you know through all of that? Because you covered a good amount of ground there, like the all the important different areas and a good use case and the. The really important area around and designing and solving for problems. If there was like a key message or something you'd hope that people take away from, um, whether it be your times up on stage or the event um, this week, what would you hope that more people walk away with and apply back in their own sandbox? Oh, that's a very good question. What I've heard at this conference, uh, there's, there's a lot of talk of ideology, uh, a lot of talk of plans and what could be done and what what we'd like to do. Uh, I'm about the brass tacks actually taking those good visions it's great to have a vision 
Um, but there's one thing, having a vision, you talk about it, there's another thing executing on that. Yeah. So I think, for me, it's looking around and seeing so many passionate people here who have got a lot to offer that are, that are tired of hearing your visions and ideologies and are ready to actually act and see some change that's really going to mm. um, make things better for, you know, for themselves as providers perhaps or and then and more broadly for the patients in yeah. in New Zealand so uh, we've got a lot of people doing the brass tacks down and just finding those like-minded individuals and knowing what's possible uh, and then kind of collaborating together then to yeah. execute on it okay get stuff done get, get stuff done it's uh, all done nice Can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what you do, please, Real? Yeah, kia ora. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Pete. Yes. Um, my name is Real Jensen and I am the CEO of the Digital Health Association. We're the peak uh, advocacy uh, body for industry. So we are basically the conduit between government and industry and disseminate information. We, we fight for digital health. We submit uh, policy to the government. We submit briefings and we... We do lots of submissions and so on and so forth. So, it yeah. sounds like a little bit like the stuff we do at the MSIA, but in an alternate universe. Yeah. The alternate being in New Zealand, which is not that far away. But <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Yeah, I consider the MSIA our sister organisation, I guess, in Aussie. And uh, MSIA is these represent vendors and industry and try and push the agenda forward from that perspective. We are as well. Um, my approach around how I work with government is to really try and pull the information out as much as I can and share it as much as I can because I'm a big believer that government uh, industry don't know where they're going unless government can share, right? So it's about sort of knocking on that door over and over and over again to get what you need in order for industry to be able to move forward and build their roadmaps. Yeah, and I mean... You would be busy right about now, I imagine, with all the changes happening within the landscape. So it's good that you're be able to spend some time here with all the delegates at Digital Healthcare Week. Yeah, I love being here. It's uh, it's exhausting, but um, I love it. I absolutely love seeing everybody. I think it's such an amazing community, and and everyone's warm and welcoming, and we all have so much fun together. There's a sense of energy this time. Last year it was a little bit doom and gloom and this year there's a lot more positive talk. There's a lot more sort of we are on the road now. We're, we're all in the waka. We're going to move forward now. So um, I'm liking that. I'm liking that there's actually some movement whereas it's kind of been a bit radio silence for a wee while. So, yeah, 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 interesting. And so you've uh, not only been doing the rounds and connecting with, with members and vendors and everything but also... Been up on the stage a few times. So yeah. Sharing that. Yeah. So three times. Golly gosh. <laughs> um, first, uh, I was sharing about software as a medical device. So earlier in the year, the DHA wrote a significant submission to government and the Health Select Committee around software as a medical device. So while Australia has a TGA and you're already regulating software as a medical device, and the MSIA was really pivotal in creating, help create that secondary legislation, the carve-outs for vendors um, who work in this space. We have only just, our legislation has only just been born, basically. And so when the bill landed on our plates, we were all a little bit aghast because the wording meant that 80% of our vendors would be captured by the regulation, even though the health software that doesn't really affect the outcomes of health or well-being. Mm. And so um, so it was a, a sort of a, a run against the clock to get get the submission in and it was a 70 page submission well researched 
and um, and yeah, it actually our submission, I'm told, actually affected the legislation, and they changed the wording of the legislation. Yeah, cool. So that was the first discussion. It's interesting because we've just had a new government arrive in, and they're repealing that act, mm. and so that will actually mean that we'll get a chance to hopefully tighten that software as a medical device. Uh, uh, meaning and in clause 26 and move forward a little bit better. So I think I think that's a, it's a good thing, but it will slow the axe down. So I see. Yeah. 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 So software is a medical device. Yes. What else? Is and then I talked about navigating the intersection between industry and government. So how important mm-hmm. that is, and what happens when it goes wrong. Uh, and probably what is the key thing in its communication, communication, communication. So there's lots of other C's as well. There's commitment, there's culture, there's collaboration. Um, but communication, communication, communication is probably where it is at. And when government don't communicate, then industry stop trusting and then the walls go up and the silos get built mm. and, and, it, and it moves forward from there. So it's about opening up those channels and making sure that everybody commits to the roadmap together. Yeah. yeah. No, speaking my language there. Yeah. Cool. And there's a third? And the third, I was on a panel this morning about yeah. trans-Tasman yeah. relationships. Yeah. yeah. yeah cool. So I was up there with Paul Creech and mm-hmm. Lee Donoghue and um, Doug Healy from Te Aora and a few other, um, New Zealand, Kate Eberle. So there was sort of three or four uh, Kiwis. Yeah. You know, Lee's an honorary Kiwi now. So, you know, we've owned him, along with the PAV, (laughs) along with Crowded House, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Um, So those are all ours. Uh, And, yeah. (laughs) You got the head on the podcast. (laughs) And so we were talking about how we're moving forward. And it's interesting because in this space last year, I was working really hard to get our two governments to talk. Mm. But we were going through a, a significant health reform and they just weren't ready, right? They were just so immersed in this thing that they didn't even know what it looked like yet. Yeah. And now there's just such a shift in bringing Daniel McCabe and Paul and everybody out and over. And those talks have been Amazing! Yeah. It's like we've got so much to learn from each other. And yes. my thing is, don't just learn from the good things, learn from the mistakes as well. Mm. So make sure that you don't repeat them because we've all made mistakes, sure. right, along the road. So share that so that yeah. the other country can actually move forward better than the other one did. So, yeah, Love those vibes. Yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. We heard about Aunt Nana Polly from Doug Healy. Okay. Nana Polly... Um, you know, uh, a matriarch within the Māori world who, you know, she's just directing everybody. She's directing all her rangate, hara, rangatahi, and she's making sure that everybody's in the kitchen and everybody's out there feeding and serving, and she's just there quietly standing back, and that's what we all need to do as well. Yeah, I love it. It was amazing. It was so cool. Nice. Yeah. And then thinking then, you know, we're we're wrapping up the, the last day of Digital Health Week. What are you hoping that attendees whether they be vendors clinicians those that are doing policy stuff within the government so what are you hoping people walk away from this event this week and and apply back into their their settings and put back into the healthcare ecosystem well i think from my perspective i hope they walk away with a little bit more positivity Mm. and and i hope they walk away with a little bit more hope as well right so and, and a little bit more togetherness too and i think the reforms for us have been quite a difficult period because there was a certain way of doing business before and all of our vendors knew where to go, who was going to sign their contracts and then it's just been up in the air 
and now we're sort of starting to come out of those clouds and we're starting to move forward and there's more and more frameworks that are being built. But how I want them to go away thinking about, well, how do I fit into that framework? Or how do I work into that framework? And then go away and start planning, right? Yeah. So I think the danger of these things is that we all come together and we all talk and we have this momentum. There's a danger of losing it afterwards. And you've actually just got to keep that conversation going and keep pushing and driving. Because if you don't, it just, again, it stagnates. So we're another year down the track and we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. We're all coming together. But yeah, no, I want to see, I want to see action. Yeah. I want to see action. Let's do this. Yep. Yeah. Both from the vendor side and a government side. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. Lovely. Um, so my name is David. I'm a consultant with Fujifilm. Um, I work in a relatively small division, about 120 people. I'm in New Zealand, a Fujifilm called Fujifilm Process Automation. And so our job is to essentially just that, um, work with our clients as well as Tafato Aura and in other government agencies to take this sort of repetitive and mundane. Mm. Uh, for example, today's talk was around clinical record scanning Yeah, um, and, and automate as much of it as possible. So if there's a barcode and then an HI number, and we can pick up the form ID number, then really why do we need a human being to go and say this is a cardiology mm. form for David? We don't. We don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And, and so I, I guess I can only imagine in, in this current climate of workforce burnout and shortages and yeah. the increased pressure on the system and, and the excitement and interest in, in data and AI that um, focus around process automation and getting more from the, the current people and resources yeah. you have has got to be um, a pretty popular topic at the moment. Correct. And look, um, New Zealand has resources, right? And we're pouring resources into it. However, one thing we don't have is people. And so it doesn't matter how much money you throw into it. If there's no time, you can only buy time with more people. Yeah. The other way, I suppose, is to automate, which is what we aim to do. And so we're having... A fair amount of success. It doesn't always have to be in clinical records. We do a lot of robotic process automation for customers, where if we find a task that's happening repetitively and it follows a rule, we put in a piece of software that just goes on every day, reads a website, takes what we need, and uploads a form. Uh, we do a lot of financial um, automation as well for different, what were formerly known as district health boards, um, now just part of the greater um, entities. Uh, well, yeah, we pick up and, uh, uh, their invoice information, match it and post it for payment of everything is A-OK. -okay. And so that's where we really um, what we focus our aims on, looking for that repetitive and mundane. And if it follows a rule, let's just apply it. And we only look at the exceptions and yeah. in a way you don't. And so you were up on the, the stage at some point today. Tell us a little bit more about what you, what you spoke about. Sure. We were focusing in that particular one on clinical record scanning. So um, our healthcare is still very heavily paper-based. Um, the example I gave was even just me wanting to um, request my personal health information. I had to download a form. I had to print it. It wasn't digital. Um, no big deal. But I had to handwrite it. Then I had to scan it, send it with my driver's license. Someone had to decipher my handwriting first. And then go through the process of running around. I saw the little tech boxes they would have had to tick as it goes to the department head and this and that to release it. And they've got a million and one other things happening at the same time. Um, sur surgical documents requiring to be scanned and digitized. Um, so what was the chat about? It was about me looking at what we do within our own. We have our own scanning bureau out in Auckland, in Albany. We digitize millions of documents a year, and it is commercially viable and successful. And usually when something is viable commercially, it's sustainable in a sense as well. 
it's not going to be a burden. And so all I did was look at what we were doing right. And then today's chat, all I did was share, look, this is the hardware we're using. This is the software we're using. And this is the where we, where we store it all. And how it works with us is these are all different vendors, but we are working collaboratively with them all. Yeah. They're, all they're all their partners. So we're partnering with Tafata Aura. And the concept is we all add our own value. So at the end, the, the, the greater of us is more than our own individual um, yeah. sum of our yeah. energy. Definitely speaking my language there. And that's, um, that's super important. And not everyone's going to be able to um, solve all the problems um, uh, themselves. So it's going to need that collaborative approach to correct there. So. Um, and lastly, what would you hope that people walk away from either your session that you ran today or, or, or the event overall yeah. after all this excitement and interest from, yeah. from the week? So my particular, from my particular session, I, I just hope that, okay, that I've, I've set a few options to go out there and see what is available. Don't just Google and go for the first thing. There are plenty of players in the market. Um, but what we really need is something that is scalable. So I think one of the biggest concerns I currently have, especially with this, with the rollout of Hardware, is um, a lot of... The people that are currently looking at solutions, potentially, are looking at them from a, maybe a department or a hospital lens. Mm. For example, where do we store our data? Um, rather than looking at it from the Tafata Aura lens of how can we scale this up? Is it compliant? How can someone from a different hospital have access to this? Um, those are quite, the answers to those can be a bit trickier because you'd have to look elsewhere, overseas, for example, potentially. And so just... What takeaway? Don't go for the first thing that you see on Google. Do look around, and we at Fujifilms, shameless plug in assets, already have a lot of them. We use Kofax for our digital scanning. We use Kodak machines for our physical, the hardware, and then we have a solution called Vendor Neutral Archive that is built for medical record um, storage, and it, and it meets all the com um, compliances like the um, HL7, yeah, the DICOM, and all that. Already out of the box because it's built for medical image storing by Fujifilm some years ago and it's used in Australia, etc. So just shop around a little bit before yeah. you come to any decision. Yeah. That's, that's all I really wanted to, to say. Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Talking Health Tech. Make sure you like and subscribe and share this episode with someone who might find it valuable. For more information and resources about healthcare innovation, visit talkinghealthtech.com.